Amen. You know, we got lots of work to do. Amen. Reaching people with the gospel. Making an intentional effort. I want to talk about our devotional life to the Lord um, this morning. About spending time with God. And I just want to get some feedback as well. And, you know, we know the two greatest commandments. You know, I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. In particular, as it relates to a Christian's devotional life. Well, you have mentioned to me three things that may become new mind as it relates to a Christian having a great walk with God. Just give some thought. Think of three things, three traits for Christians to do or be um, to have a great walk with God. Three things. You know, some of the people, they may overlap. You know, they may be the same that you thought. That's fine. Um, Anybody want to give us some thoughts first? Three thoughts on things for devotion life. Okay, reading your Bible. Okay, that's one. You got two more? All right, you got one of them. Okay, reading your Bible. Confession. Okay, okay, confession. Absolutely. Okay, prayer life. Absolutely. Witnessing, okay, all very good basic things. It's a Christian. Anybody else? Okay. Attitude, all right. Worship, okay, very good. Any sailings? What are three things that are very important for a Christian walk with God? What's that? Okay. Obeying, obedience, absolutely. And Allison mentioned me three yesterday. Go ahead and mention them. All right. Jesus, obedience, and love. And then at first I told her, I go, well, Doug, Jesus is, Doug, he's the main thing. But then she's like, you know, but people miss it some, miss him sometimes. And that is so true. Because, you know, when you consider your walk with God, Okay? If there's no Jesus, there's no walk with Him. And if there's no obedience, there's no walk. And if there's no love, then there's no relationship. So, anybody else? All right. Fellowship with other believers. Absolutely. And so as I was thinking about it, there are so many different responses that could be given. But three that came to my mind are very basic. Basic Christianity 101. Read your Bible. Reading your Bible. Reading the Bible is vital to a Christian's growth. If we are not reading our Bible 
then we are no longer a growing Christian. You cannot grow in your walk, in your devotion with God without reading God's Word. We grow in grace. We grow in the Word. The Bible talks about its newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word. And in as we age, to desire the meat of the Word. You know, like children stop growing pretty much if they're not eating. They're not eating well. And if we're not reading the Word of God regularly, we are not growing. Number two, you're not going to have much of a devotion with God if you're not spending time in prayer. If you're not communicating with Him. If you're not being a person of prayer, your walk with God is going to be greatly hindered. You know, reading the Word and prayer, they're both very important. They're both important to really try to excel at both of them. The Bible talks about how if we keep our ear from the hearing of the law of God, then even our prayer is an abomination. That God has no interest in our prayer if we're not in the Word. If we're not hearing what God has to say to us, He doesn't have as much interest in what we have to say to Him. And so these two are very important to a Christian's development spiritually. The third one I thought of was soul winning. Evangelism. You know, you have Jesus... When, um, before He ascended back to the Father, and He gave what we call the Great Commission. But so often it's the Great Omission on our behalf. That we're to go, we're to teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe whatsoever that Christ has commanded. We're to teach them, we're to preach the Gospel to the world. And really, you can wrap all three of those into one. And that being about Jesus. That we read the Word. Jesus is called the Word of God. And we're to read the written Word of God that speaks of the living Word of God. And that we're to be in communication with Jesus. In communication with the Father. And we're to be obedient and getting the gospel out to other people. And when I ask you ask yourselves, which of these three, reading the Word of God, prayer, being a witness, sharing the gospel with others, which one of the three are your weaknesses? Which one's the weakness that you have? Maybe two of them are a weakness. Now, if we examine all three of these areas in our life and see how well we do, yes, the humble answer is always, yes, we could do more. All of us could say, yes, we could do more. But give it some true consideration. Are any of them just absolutely a total weakness? Now, you're not in the Word. That you're not in the Word of God daily. You're not in it regularly. Is that your weakness? 
Some maybe are in the Word regularly. What about your prayer life? Your prayer time? How much time a day do you spend in prayer? Do you even know? Yeah, you may not know the exact minutes. But sometimes you may know, wow, you know what? I'm not really praying much. Maybe I'll pray when I'm in some kind of hardship. Or out desperation. God, please help me with this. Why am I always struggling with this? It's not really a genuine fellowship with the Father. Maybe it's sharing your faith. Maybe it's something that you're kind of timid about doing. Maybe that is a weakness. Or are all three of them suffering in your life? Reading the Bible, prayer, and sharing your faith. Is that something you can maybe think, well, you know what, Lord? I'm struggling in all three of those areas. And yes, I know we could all do better. But you know when something's your strength. You know when something is a weakness. And now think, hey, you've thought about yourselves personally. Thinking about us as a church, collectively. Now, it is several individuals that make us up collectively. It's a church body. But if we're not in the Word much, how are we going to sharpen and edify other believers? You know, the thing is, you know, when you're in the Word, you're saturated with it. There'll be times when after church services, you'll be sharing with other people, go, man, you know, I've been reading this in the Bible. Have you ever read this or have you ever noticed this? And man, this is how God is speaking to me through this. And then that encourages them. That edifies them. That sharpens them. Now one thing we were try, uh, trying to do on our vacation too was, uh, and we weren't perfect at it. We didn't get to do it every day. You know, we got distracted. We're trying to memorize about taking on the armor of God. Have our children memorize it all. And I think the children have like the first three verses um, memorize um, pretty well or um, for the most part and um, we're going to work on that some more but I'm um, trying to memorize it and you know when we're in the word the edification is able to come out to the rest of the body but if we're not in the word personally then collectively it's going to be a hindrance now how is our evangelism is the church are we growing or are we shrinking? Now, no doubt, yes, during the summertime, the attendance goes down. But you just take that out, okay? Okay, people are away. Are we growing or are we shrinking? Some self-reflection. Okay, think about, are we growing or are we shrinking? And sometimes it may seem like, well, we're maintaining you know, we're not necessarily growing, but we're not losing everybody either. And when you're just maintaining, you know, you're not going forward. And if you're not going forward, you are going backwards. We are going backwards when we are not moving forward. How is our prayer time as a church? Are we a praying church? 
I don't mean how many times do we pray during a church service. You know, if we pray four times during a church service, that does not mean we were really engaged. We can pray publicly and not be engaged. I've prayed publicly. I mouth in words and I'm not really engaged. My heart's not really there. I think, I think I'm not the only one guilty of that. Okay? I think everyone's been guilty of that at times. We're, we're saying words, but it's just as we're speaking words in the air. But also, how about as opportunity arises, taking time to pray with another after services? Say someone has a need, or say they're, they're going on a trip soon. Okay? They're going to be going away, or maybe they have a, some kind of challenge at work. And just offering, you know what? Let's spend some time in prayer for that. You know, sometimes people will share prayer requests with you. Don't just—I I encourage you. Don't just tell them, "Okay, you know, what? I'll pray for you." You know what? Some of you may remember, and some of you may forget. How often we say we'll pray for you, and oftentimes we could forget. Not because we're intentionally forgetting. Okay, when we forget, it's never intentional. At least most of the time, it's not. Some people maybe intentionally want to forget some things. But why not just take time? And go. You know what? I'm going to try to remember to pray for that at home, but why don't we just go spend some time in prayer right now? You know, we could come to one to see, pray up front, or we could go in another room. Let's, you know, let's just spend some time in prayer. Prayer doesn't just happen during the church service. It's the church body. There's before church, Sunday school, after church services. What about sometimes just calling one another up? And say, hey, you know what? I have this burden on my heart. Would you mind just joining me in prayer over the phone? Or what about going and meeting at a coffee shop or for tea? And just let's spend time in prayer. Let's just seek God. If you know a couple is going through a struggle in their marriage, how about going to battle for them in prayer? Now let's say, let's just say Allison and R going through a, they're going through a struggle, okay? Let's say they're going, I'm, I'm just making this up, okay? Say they're going through a struggle in, the, in their marriage, and you know about it, okay? I'm not talking about you, okay? Say, Brooke, okay, say you know they're going through a marriage trouble. You know, her husband's at work right now, okay? So it's, he's not, not here because they're having marriage trouble. He's, a, he's a, at work today. He's going to be gone next week, too. I'm so bummed. going to be a month since seeing him. But say Brooke knew they were having a marriage problem, okay? When you spend time in prayer, this isn't about, okay, Brooke going to Lord and go, hey, let's pray. The porters, they're having trouble in their marriage. You know, and then it becomes more that prayer time is gossip. Under the guise of prayer. It's hidden. It's veiled over prayer. And I've heard that at times at different prayer meetings at various places where they'll say, Oh, pray for so-and-so. And then Rhodey has opened a can of worms. He has opened a bunch of gossip. Now, if they both already knew about it, maybe they both they already were confided in, then you know what? You could pray about it together. But rather than being the gossip or revealing new information of people that are trying to work things out, go to battle for them in prayer. 
Pray for them. Intercede on their behalf as if you had as if you were wearing their shoes. That's kind of what intercessory prayer is. It's as if you are you are feeling what they're feeling, that you're imagining, you're knowing what they're going through, and you are praying for them on their behalf. I'm speaking of there's times where we go to the closet privately and we pray for those who are in our church family. That we lift them up. That yes, we pray together with one another in church, but also that when we're not here assembling together, that in our prayer closet, that it's actually a prayer closet. Not just a closet, but a place that we go and pray. And it doesn't literally need to be a door room with stinky shoes, okay? That's not what I mean by a prayer closet. But find a place, a quiet place you can go, and that away from distractions, and spend time in prayer. And again, self-reflection. So we think on these three things of importance to a Christian's Walk with God. Of reading the Bible. Prayer and evangelism. I ask myself, are any of the three really strong points of me as a pastor and of our church? I hope that the preaching of the Word is evident. That when we preach, it's the Word. That it is not simply going to be a man's opinions, a man's thoughts. Yes, there will be times where okay, when we read the Bible, there may be some things where, you know what, different people may see some things differently. Um, but for the most part, you know, the Bible pretty much interprets itself. And we're to preach the Word. And whenever an opinion is mentioned, it should be expressed as that. And that's going to happen when it's pausing the Scriptures. That no doubt there will be times where there will be sometimes a pain. But let that be made known. You know, I was at a church the other day. Um, it was at my dad's church. And at first, my dad told me, you know, I'm hoping it's this teacher. Man, he's, um, he's African-American. Man, he's passionate. He, he lo- he's great at teaching the Word of God. And um, he goes, I hope it's not the other guy. It, he kind of breaks it down too much like it's a Sunday, um, like a kindergarten class. Well, we end up having that guy, the other guy that did like a kindergarten class. And I thought, you know what, starting out, it was good. I was, I would go, are you sure you're the same guy you're talking about? He's like, oh no, he's doing really good today. And he was talking about the necessity that um, we are to be teaching the Word of God, not man's opinions. The Word to teach, what does the Bible teach? Very good. Later on in the lesson, lady asked a question, and it's about church polity. Okay, what's, what's the role of pastors? Um, is the role of pastors, elders the same? Are they different? Um, bishop, um, overseer, what, what are these? Uh, um, like, are they the same role, but with different functions? And so she just asked a question, and then the guy goes, well, in my opinion... And then she goes, no, Bible. And she caught him right on what he was just teaching about. 
And he caught himself when he said that. He's like, all right, all right. You know what? You got me there. And he goes, I was saying my opinion because it's controversial. Different people have different opinions. And I'm thinking, man, you go to Acts 20 and it's very clear. They gathered the elders together. Okay, Paul gathered the elders um, to the council. And then he says, tells them to take oversight there. Take oversight of the flock. Okay, that, and, and, that, that, and, and, and so there you have the overseer. That's the bishop function. You have the elders. That's the spiritual maturity in their role. And it has oversight of the flock. That's the pastoral aspect. And that's where he could have said, okay, right here in the Bible, you see all three functions mentioning, and they're of the same role. You have Peter, where it's spoken of him, as whom also is an elder. And then he talks about feed the flock of God. Okay, different functions of the same office. Okay, now that wasn't big, that too much of a big deal. Okay, he caught himself. He's like, okay, you know what, you caught me. Okay, and, okay, I'm teaching on don't give opinions, and then I'm trying to give my opinion. So amen. And so that was funny. Everybody laughed, and that was my dad's wife that actually said that. And because um, and at first she asked another question and goes, so what do you mean we're not to base what we teach on our feelings. Isn't God love? So aren't we supposed to base what we teach on feelings? And then um, he started explaining it a little bit. And then um, I gave some feedback as well and about how, you know, there's things in life that we may not feel they're wrong because they're culturally right today in today's world. But if the Bible teaches it's wrong, says it's homosexuality, then it doesn't matter how we feel, it's what the Bible teaches, and we're to declare what the Bible teaches. Okay, the part that got worse, though, was after he was doing all this, after he was, he, as he was concluding, he told people to turn to John 3.16. And in John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He goes, sometimes we'll read this, and we'll think that's what it means. And he goes, people will think where it says, He so loved the world that He so loved the world. And then he started saying, well, in the Greek, it really just means that he's deeply in love. And I'm like thinking, that's, that's the same thing, okay? So, but he's, say, he's, saying, he's saying, like, he's saying it means something different than what it's saying, when that's what it's saying. That's just how we understand in English. He so loved the world. And then he started saying the word begotten. That the word does not mean begotten in the Greek. It doesn't mean that. That it just means only one of a kind. You know what? No, even in the Psalms, it talks about today thou art begotten. That you know what? That Jesus comes from the Father. And so he kept on picking the different words and saying, you know what? We read this one way, but it's not really what it means. And that's why you need to read and understand Greek. And you know, there's nothing wrong with reading or understanding Greek. You know what? The Greek is just as much the Word of God. Yes, it is when it's translated. But he started to give the idea, or just completely saying that 
you know what, this isn't what it means. And so I wanted to talk to him afterwards, but I didn't take the opportunity, um, end up talking with other people there. But the whole class, he's building this case, how we need to teach and preach the Word of God and not our opinion. And then at the end, he goes, your Bible's not reliable. You, you, don't, you can't understand what John 3.16 means. You know, it destroyed the confidence in the Bible that he was saying you're supposed to go. And now I really wish I did talk to him now. Just, oh, now I'm frustrated. <laughs> I know. And, um, but it just doesn't make sense to, to, to say all that. And, but so anyways, I hope the preaching of the Word of God is evident in our church. However, how about as a whole, our reading of the Bible? We individually make up the church collectively. Are we reading the Word regularly? When others see our church, do they think, wow, that church does all they can to reach people with the Gospel? Just some self-reflection. I don't think that could be said of us. I don't think another church outside is looking at us and going, you know what? They're aggressive at evangelism. They're doing all they can so people can know Jesus is their Savior. I want to be like that church. That can't be said of our church, if we're honest. Especially if myself in particular is a leader. It's more than just I could be doing more. It's These are weaknesses. These are weaknesses that need to be strengthened. Another one, again, are we known as a praying church? I know we have individuals that are people giving you prayer. But church-wide, I don't believe that is our overall reputation. I don't perceive that's our reputation from without or even from within. I know people think, wow, these people are really a praying Church. Jesus told the church in Revelation 3 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. And thinking about three things that are vital to a Christian's development their spiritual growth, reading the Bible, prayer, and sharing the gospel. I think that's a weakness. All three of those are weaknesses of our church as a whole. Again, there's some, man, they maybe don't have weaknesses in any of them, maybe. But I know I have weaknesses in some of these areas. And as a church, I know it's a weakness. That are not our strengths. The thoughts that kept coming to my mind is that perhaps I don't teach it enough. I don't emphasize it enough. And what hurts the most is I don't model it enough. Our visitors, you mentioned confession. So with today's pretty much being confession. You know, I like to change that today. I like to see that change in our church, starting with me and then going through as a church body. 
Sometimes it can be easy to think of these areas, reading the Bible, prayer, sharing the gospel, as elementary that we don't keep mentioning it. And there's other times I think, you know, okay, sharing the gospel. I think I've said that over and over and over. And of course, you know, I don't see, you know, there may be times where you're being a witness and that we just never hear about. You know, maybe what we should do is, you know, let people know. You know, I say, hey, you know what? I got to share the gospel with this person today. They didn't get saved, but man, I got to share the gospel with them. Or man, you know what? They did get saved. Let it become contagious. Let it be an excitement. Okay, I'm not talking about let it be a competition. Ooh, I brought more visitors than you did. But no, let it be inspiring, contagious, that we're sharing the gospel and we're inviting people to the house of God. And, and let it be, be contagious. Sometimes it can be easy to think all these areas are elementary. You're thinking about it. Many people may not know how or where to start in reading their Bible. Yeah, they know. Okay, well, there's this big book. How do I read it? Where do I start? And I need to do a better job at teaching that. Many may have never led someone to Christ because they've never been shown how to. Many may not have a prayer life because they don't know how to pray. Vince Lombardi, well known as the Green Bay Packers coach, first two years when, or the, um, when they first started the Super Bowl era. He won the first two Super Bowls in history and that the trophy now bears his name. In the short but powerful preseason speech giving you the players when he arrived for his first season. He gathered the players, he gathered the coaches, and he grabbed a football. And he said, this is a football. And he kept repeating himself. This is a football. People were kind of like, come on. We know that's a football. You know, we've been playing the football. Yes, it's just now we're in a Super Bowl era. Before we didn't do Super Bowls, but we still know what football is. Took him out. Took him out to the field. And he said, you see these white lines here? These are the boundaries. Over there is out of bounds. These are grown men he's talking to. But he's reminding them of the fundamentals of football. He made it clear that a fundamental understanding of the basics, starting with what a football looks like, he went over the threads, he went over everything. The grip, was, he said it was essential for a team to play as a team. He took the, and so then he spent valuable time reminding them again of the essentials, the fundamentals. And you know, our church, okay, okay, we're independent fundamental Baptist church. Now, the word fundamental doesn't mean we're a fundamental is extremist like you see the Muslims, okay? The reason they're called fundamental Muslims is because they're following the basic fundamental teachings of Islam. Is every Muslim a terrorist? No. But every Muslim that follows Islam is a terrorist. You know, it's just like we have some Christians. Do they follow Jesus? No. And there's some Muslims that they don't follow Islam all the way. But it being an independent, fundamental Baptist church, we're independent in the sense that, you know what, we are not, um, there is no outside denominational control over our church. 
Okay, we're Baptists by distinctive. There's certain doctrines we teach that some other Christian groups don't believe. Okay, baptism by immersion, just being one of them, and of believers. Okay, there's sure there's other people saved in other churches that maybe baptize babies. Um, some Presbyterian church, for example, but a distinctive we have as Baptists is we baptize believers, and it's by immersion. Being fundamental means that we practice the fundamental, basic teachings of Christianity. That that's who we are to be. And reading the Bible, prayer, and evangelism are important ones. Open your Bible to Luke 11, and we will start the sermon. <laughs> Luke 11. And they came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, so you see, there was a place he went in particular to go pray. Okay, when, he, when he sees, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. These are apostles, these are disciples of the Lord. And you know, as I'm examining, my own weaknesses, and examining our weaknesses as a church and my leadership in leading the church. I see, wow, even the apostles ask Jesus, teach us to pray. You know, like Jesus could just be like, oh, come on, don't you already know how to pray? You already heard John the Baptist teach? Well, we see that he wanted to learn. And so often, as a pastor, it could be easy to think, you know what, people know how to pray, it's easy. You know, you just talk to the Lord. And so what I'm going to do, you know, we're going to go over this passage here, but I think in the next several weeks, coming weeks, I'm going to take like three minutes, about three, three minutes out of before the main message starts, and we're just going to be teaching on principles of prayer. Teaching about prayer and teaching us as a congregation how to pray. And we'll go over several of them today here. And we see, and he taught unto them, saying, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven. In another passage, he's taught this two times, uh, at least that we know of. Um, one was on the Sermon of the Mount, and one was when this question was being asked. But he isn't teaching them to just say this verbatim. You know, some churches will teach people to say this is, this is their prayer. You know, I got a book and a little card from a Catholic lady that attended a memorial service um, for um, Charles, Ruth's husband. And, 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 it ta- and, and in it, it talks about, it says, say this prayer six times, and then you're going to get this blessing. You know, like Jesus, in the other passage on the Sermon Mount, he said, no, do not pray as the heathen do. Do not use vain repetitions. That's not how to pray. Just by repeating words. Again, that's praying with words, but the heart is far from them. But he teaches us in what manner, the type of content that is to be in our prayer. 
We often call this the Lord's Prayer. This isn't even the Lord's Prayer. The Lord does not have to say, forgive me for my sin. Okay? It's not the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching us in what manner to pray. John 17 is when you could actually see where you see His prayer to the Father. But here He says, Our Father which art in heaven. And so when we pray, just understand that, you know, we're able to have that relationship with Him because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for us in dying on the cross, reconciling the world to Himself, that if we believe by faith in the blood shed of Jesus Christ, that He died for us, He rose again, that He is our mediator between the Father and man. That we have access. That there isn't just a few people, like we see Moses is called the friend of God, There's not just a couple of prophets anymore that God speaks to, but God's given us His Word, and He gives us access to speak to the Father. And so Jesus here is telling us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven. That we're to pray to Him, that He is the one and true God. He doesn't say, go pray to the Spirit of the trees, Um, Go pray to the saints that are in heaven. No. Just pray to the Father. Which is in heaven. And hallowed be thy name. That when we pray, there ought to be a token of yes. It's able to be casual in the sense that He's our Father. We're His child. That we're able to talk to Him. But in that conversation, in that prayer, there is to be a reverence and not a cheap casualness. We're not to just be walking around going, oh hey, to the man upstairs. Hey, come shoot hoops with me. Let's have a talk. Let's have a chat. No, we're to be reverent in our prayer. Now you could be down the road. You could be driving, okay? I hope your eyes are open while you're praying. Okay? But you could be praying. There's been times I teach my kids, I would close one eye, just the eye that they see. All right, let's pray. But as you know, we're not to really treat prayer with that kind of casualness. But hallowed be thy name, that his name is holy, that his name ought to be glorified in our prayer. Thy kingdom come. To be praying. His kingdom to come. Twofold, you know what? You have, you know what? When someone's born again, they're born into the kingdom of God. But secondly, we're to pray with this longing of looking forward to when Jesus comes back. You know, when a husband and a wife have been apart for a long time, and they miss each other, and they call on the phone. They talk with anticipation. They look forward to seeing each other. And when we pray, it ought to be with anticipation. Lord, you're coming soon. Please, I can't wait. Lord, pray with anticipation. Thy kingdom come. That we're looking forward to the day that we see Him face to face. That we'll see Him who is to us now invisible. 
says, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. When we pray, we ought to have it be a statute of God's will be done. You know, we see Jesus in His flesh. He struggled in a sense. He said, if there be any way for this cup to pass, if there be any way to save mankind without me going to the cross, man, could that happen? But He goes, nevertheless, not mine will. Thine will be done. And His will was in sync with the Father. But in His humanity, in His flesh, in that struggle, He was like, if there was any other way, then you face the wrath of the Father. But he knew there was no other way. So his attitude was, Thy will be done. And you know, there are times I know, at least I know what's happened with me, when I'm praying for something. And we'll say, Lord, Thine will be done, though. If it's not Your will, let it not happen. And then it doesn't happen, and we get devastated. Like, oh. And then we try to make it work. We try to find another way to make it happen. Remember what you say, never do us, thine will be done. We ask God, if this isn't your will, for me to buy this house, close the doors. But our hopes were already on it. Oh, that was our dream house. Oh no, be thankful that God closed those doors. Because you don't know why those doors are closed. But he closed those doors for your benefit. Or maybe for your instruction, maybe for your teaching. Pray when we pray. Pray with an attitude of God's will be done. They just ask anything in His name, but with an attitude, God, you know best. You know best, and I'm going to accept what your answer is going to be. That will be done as in heaven, so in earth. And give us day by day our daily bread. And we're to pray to Him for our provision. You know what? Sometimes those financial struggles we may go through, it may be a reminder to pray for our daily bread. So often, you know, okay, we get our weekly check, we have our salary, we budget for groceries. And we don't think of giving thanks to God. We don't think of asking Him for our daily bread. Maybe things would turn around if we seek Him first. Like even if the money's in the bank, say, God, you know what? We pray for our provision. That you are the provider. Not my job, not my paycheck, but God, you are the provider. Yes, you've taught us to work. And that if we don't work, then neither shall we eat. But God, you're the one that gives the power to work. You're the one that gives power to gain wealth. And so to seek God in provision, in our daily bread, in our necessities. You know, the Bible says, you know, it really, okay, okay, with our clothing, with um, shelter, of food, food and raiment, there will be content. He goes, no, we just need to be content. Be content with what God gives us and pray for Him. He says, give no thought. You know what? God takes care of the grass. God takes care of the birds. He takes care of everything. He's going to take care of His own children. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And so there's to be confession. Part of our prayer life ought to be confession. And we're confessing, Lord, yes, I've sinned here. I mess up. And you know what? Ask for wisdom. The Bible says God will upbraid us not. 
God's not going to be like, ah, you got yourself in that mess. Get yourself out. He says he'll give to all men liberally who ask for wisdom. Now forgive others. You know how much of a hard heart it is of us when we pray, Lord, forgive me, and we're holding bitterness towards someone else. Oh, you know what? Reconcile that. You know, for Christ has forgiven us in Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, so ought we to forgive others. Alexander Hamilton, upon his deathbed in 1804, said, I have a tender reliance on the mercy of the Almighty through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a sinner. I look to Him for mercy. Pray for me. You know, that needs to be our attitude, our mindset. We're sinners. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Just and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now we know God does not draw us or entice us into temptation. But He oftentimes allows us to go through temptations. And we're to pray and ask God to deliver us from evil. Ask God to deliver your children from evil, your grandchildren. They're going through a battle in their marriage again or in their family. They're going through hardships. There's issues with drug addiction. Go battle for them in prayer. Seek God's face. They may not know it. They may not see it. But there's a God in heaven who hears our cries. All the petitions that Jesus mentions here affirms the supremacy of God. Father acknowledges Him as the source of all blessing. Hallowed be Thy name, that God's name is sacred, that it is holy. Thy kingdom come reminds us that He is sovereign, not us. His will be done. That His will is superior to our own will and desires. And to give us each day our daily bread as seeing Him as provider. Forgive us our sins. We see Him as He is the Savior. And lead us not into temptation that He is our shelter. That He is our hedge. And He said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. You know, back in Israel, the one-room houses that were common in Israel where a sleeping area would sometimes be, oftentimes, be shared by the whole family. And so by him getting up, it was most likely going to wake everybody up. He talks about, you know, even if it's not, it's a friend that he comes out and helps, but because of his importunity. It's a word that's not often used. That might even be the only time it's used in the Bible. But it has this meaning of persistence. And now we may get annoyed at times when someone asks us the same question over and over and over again. 
have one child at Hilke Bash in the same question before you could even have a chance to answer the first time he asked the question. Okay? You know, my dad, he hasn't seen the kids again except, well, except for one time. When he, came, well, he was like, wow, they're asking so many questions. And they were a good question. You know what? That's only like their second time seeing their dad. Some of them the first time. And man, they're sitting on this lap. There was like instant affection that they had for him. And so he was overwhelmed at first. Okay? But then he kind of grew to appreciate it. But then you know what? Our Heavenly Father, He does not get annoyed at our persistence. He desires our persistence. To pray, to seek Him early, to seek Him. God is desirous of us coming to Him. Jesus goes on, and I see, and you were almost done. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Boom, blanket right there. Jesus says, you knock, you seek, you know, you're going to find, you're going to get an answer. Our God will hear us. Now, there are other things okay, that are involved. You know what? Elsewhere in the Bible says, if we regard iniquity in our heart, then he will not hear us. Okay, there's other things that are applicable. But, you know, we're to seek Christ, we're to pray, we're to knock. Um, knock until it's open. Seek until we find. He goes on, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Wow, you know what God is saying? Jesus is saying, Fathers, you're sinners. You're evil in your heart. But yet, you have enough grace, you have enough heart to provide for your children. They ask for bread, you don't give them a scorpion. Go, ah! Don't get stung! No. That we as sinners, but as fathers, we know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more so does our Heavenly Father? And when you ask for the fullness of His power, of His Holy Spirit, to ask His Spirit to work in our church, God will answer it. He's perfect. He's holy. He is without sin. And oh, how He wants to answer our prayer. But if we're not praying, Jesus said, if we ask not, we receive not. Try to imagine what our church would be like if Bible reading, evangelism, prayer, rather than be weaknesses or of little emphasis, were actually our strong points and of great emphasis. Who cares if we don't have the mega church? Who cares if we don't have all the programs? Every single children program for every single grade. If we're known as a church, that's the people of the book, that we are in communication with God, we're a praying church, and we're sharing the gospel of the world, who cares about any other program we could have? Who cares about anything else we could offer? If we could get those three things down, all about Jesus. In the Word, involve in prayer, ensuring the gospel. 
Will you with me try to help to make that be our church's dreams? Help us to grow in those areas. If you've already been pretty sharp in some of those areas, you know what? What that edify other people? Do you think if we made it a strong point and of great emphasis that God would move greater in our midst? I believe He will. So I just ask you again to consider committing together with me that we will work on strengthening these areas in our church. Increase our Bible reading. That means increase your Bible reading at home. Okay? Be a people of the book while we're here. To be people of prayer. Pray for your pastor. Pray for one another. And be intentional about sharing the gospel. Not accidental. Be intentional. No, we could say all this, but if we do nothing about it, it's meaningless. Let me close with this passage. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We hear a message like this and do nothing with it. It doesn't get us anywhere. We deceive ourselves. We gathered here and we go home. But if we apply it, if we're doers of the word. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he behold of himself and go of his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and continueth therein, he not being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We want to see God move in our midst. We must be doers of the word. We must be, as the girl said, obedience. Obey. Obey the word and strengthen the areas where we lack, lest we die. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a praying church. I appreciate you, Lord, using Brooke and just trying to help facilitate the ladies to spend some more time in prayer, praying for the services, praying just to spend time with you. But help us, Lord, for that to be like our culture. Let us be known as a church that prays, not for our own glory, but to see You glorified. To be a church that continues to preach the Word, but that the only time we're in the Word isn't just when we're preaching it, but that we're regularly reading it. Lord, help us to share the Gospel. To be intentional. The apostles did not just go around and just think, oh, if someone asks me about my faith, maybe I'll tell them. No, they turned the world upside down because they were passionate about sharing the faith once delivered unto the saints. Lord, may we, when we go home today, may we spend some time reflecting in prayer. Apply the message to our heart. Help me as the pastor, as a leader, to lead in these areas, to model these areas. Help us, the church, to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.
Today, I'm not sorry for going longer. We're just having a family chat. Family chat with the Word. But um, fellowship, spend time together. And just really, just ask to try to help us as a church to make those be our strengths. I think you'll see God do amazing things in our church. God bless you.